Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 23 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. And again, can't thank you so much. We have had a crazy week, <laughs> to say the least, and uh, really looking forward to this conversation around it. Um, just some of the topics that we're going to talk about, I will highlight briefly so you know what you're getting yourself into, because if you're not in the car, you got to find some way to buckle up, <laughs> because this week was crazy. Um, really looking forward to this. So just a highlight, high level of what we're going to talk about today. Jen Pisaki, somebody made fun of me in the in the... <laughs> in the reviews for not saying her name right. So Pisaki, Pisaki, I think I've been calling her Pisaski. Um, I don't know. However you say her stupid name, she is going to leave the White House for, lo and behold, a uh, position within MSNBC. Who would have thought that there was somehow collusion between uh, corporate um, news companies and, you know, politics? Hmm. We're also going to touch on briefly some pop culture, um, again, briefly, <laughs> which is Will Smith resigning from the Film Academy as a result of his slap controversy, which there's an interesting conspiracy around having to do with a company called Pfizer and their new alopecia medication, which was actually one of the sponsors of the Oscars. If you didn't see that, Pfizer was actually a sponsor of the Oscars show. They put it right up there beautifully on the board during their uh, broadcast of this, that they were sponsors of the Oscars. And they just so happen to be coming out with an alopecia medication. Hmm, interesting. Next thing we're going to discuss is going to be Fauci himself having a video resurface of him basically explaining that you shouldn't have got vaccinated. The next thing we're going to touch on is Elon Musk potentially coming out with his own social media platform. Um, we're also going to d detail some of the discussions on uh, basically Madison Cawthorn came out during a podcast. And uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know Madison Cawthorn is the man, has had several conversations um, with him myself. He's a great guy and uh, has brought some really interesting topics up to uh, the modern political uh, arena. Um, so he basically said something about somebody offering him to be a part of their uh, political um, team's orgy <laughs> and uh, also seeing somebody um, basically doing cocaine in front of him that was a part of the uh, GOP. Um, the next thing we're going to discuss is going to be a deep, deep dive into Hunter Biden's laptop, which has resurfaced recently with, uh, I believe it was the New York Times and a few other uh, media entities, which came out and finally, you know, maybe a year into the presidency, 
interesting how they waited that long to basically say, yeah, I guess this is true. You know, after social media banned you, if you said anything about the laptop, for how long? Nobody's discussing that. So we're going to dive completely into that laptop, what was in it. If you don't recall these things, we'll retouch on them. If you never heard about what was in this laptop, you know, some crazy, crazy things. Crazy things, including um, him basically sleeping or uh, doing uh, inappropriate sexual things with his 14-year-old niece, um, you know, the daughter of the late Bo Biden. Um, some of the other things are including him uh, potentially having sex with um, Malia Obama, the, the child of Barack Obama, um, and doing cocaine, as shown by her credit card, um, wild, wild stuff. And then the White House coming out and saying that they will not rule out Biden pardoning um, Hunter for these actions, which seems completely, I don't know, wrong. So anyways, that was a four minute introduction on all of the crazy shit that we're going to talk about today. And I hope you're on board because it's going to be an awesome conversation. Now, if you hear this next noise, that is because this is going to be such a great show. You will hear me opening up a beautiful beer to go through this conversation with you. Ready? If you got one, let's time it together right next to you. Grab it. And there we go. All right. Looking forward to this conversation, and we are going to start it off right here with Jen Pisaki. I think it's Pisaki. Um, basically leaving her job, and obviously this is going to have to do with ratings, right? It's all to do with numbers, and they know that she's been a horrible, um, you know, horrible face for Biden. Nobody believes her shit any more than they believe his shit, um, and so they basically decided to get rid of her, and she somehow landed the job at MSNBC. So let's go ahead and watch this clip, which is from The Hill. All right, sorry for the terrible 70s porn music. Let's go ahead and see if we can find an actual clip because that was The Hill doing some overlays and <laughs> typing stuff instead of, you know, making an actual video about it. Um, so let's find the very first video that comes up for her leaving the White House, which we will watch right here. All right, here we go. This is by ABC7. Um, let's watch this video and see if they actually tell us what's going on. The Verge of Press Secretary Jen Psaki appears to be on the verge of a big career move. The 43-year-old, who initially said she would stay in her position for a year, is reportedly in advanced contract talks to join MSNBC. Axios first broke the news. The one-time political commentator will serve as a host and an on-air expert with the move expected to come next month. Psaki will join a cable news landscape that is crowded with alumni of high-level Washington politics. <laughs> so, 30 seconds of them telling you exactly what I told you, which is the fact that she's leaving the White House after one year of lying to the American people, and she's going to be replaced by somebody else, and she's going to lie to us more only under the guise of people who we know are liars, which is in the mainstream media. Um, so, I don't know. Whether to feel good or bad about this, we'll see. I, I saw somebody else, some woman that stepped into her position answering questions recently um, and didn't seem any more reliable than she was. And uh, But it's been a fun year clown show of watching this uh, female Pinocchio tell lies to us over and over and over again. And it's almost insulting at this point to see the, the way that they rub it in your face because how many times, you know, how many times has she been asked a question that she either dances around or just completely lies, completely lies right to your face about it? Um, you know, to, to me, it's a telling of where our White House is right now, right? You know, if, if they can't even tell, the, you should at least be able to find a way to tell 
me something that doesn't make you look like a 100% liar the second you are able to pull up any of the facts around this situation. Um, so just thought we'd mention that finally, you know, the witch is dead. Pisaki is leaving the White House um, and going on to continue her lying career with MSNBC. Now, the next thing we're going to touch on briefly is what I talked about earlier, which is Will Smith resigning from the Film Academy over the Oscars slap controversy, which we have a video here for you. It has been a week, and what a week it has been since actor Will Smith slapped comedian Chris Rock on live TV at the Oscars. But the aftershocks of that moment continue to reverberate around the world. Smith smacked the comedian over a joke he made about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. And now the actor has announced he's resigning from his membership of the Academy. In a statement, the actor says he will fully accept any and all consequences for his conduct, calling his actions shocking, painful, and inexcusable. And that is where we begin this edition of Week in Review. Joining us to discuss our Neil Headley, host of the Snooze Button Podcast. So we'll leave it there. We don't need to listen to that guy because you can listen to me. <laughs> so Will Smith decided he was no longer going to be a part of the Academy. Now, if you're familiar with that little conspiracy that I told you about earlier, the conspiracy is that Pfizer basically funded the Oscars, which if you've been paying attention at all over the last two years, you've seen celebrities everywhere basically be pro Pfizer in every single potential way you could possibly imagine. Um, looking at every turn for pushing the American people along with the agenda of Pfizer um, to get vaccinated, right? Get your kids vaccinated, get your pregnant mom vaccinated, get your wife vaccinated, get your dog vaccinated, um, all coming from celebrities, which have no fundamental reason to be talking about science. Now we kind of see why they were doing that, right? Of course, if the Oscars is funded by Pfizer, the Oscars is, you know, Pfizer is now going to have as much political push in play because otherwise, why would they, why would they fund the Oscars? Why would they push money towards celebrity academies? Because they know that the academies control the individuals. You have to be a part of the academy. <laughs> so if you're a part of the Oscars, you know, the academy, the Oscars academy, then you're going to push the fundamental belief systems and in, in, in the things that you're told to push by the biggest single sponsor of that organization, which in this case happened to be Pfizer, right? So interesting enough, there's been flowing articles around the interwebs, <laughs> the world wide web, I may say, um, basically that uh, Pfizer was coming out with a brand new alopecia medication and that the potential for this controversy happening at the very same time that they're coming out with this alopecia medicine is quite low, right? Why? How, how weird, <laughs> you know, how many times have you heard the word alopecia in the last, I don't know, decade? Let's talk about that. When was the last time you heard alopecia? Well, you heard it at the second that Will Smith smacked the shit out of Chris Rock for saying anything about his wife in a, what a lot of people believe was fake. Interesting. Now, if that's the case, right? It just so happens that the guy who went up there and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock for saying something about his wife who had alopecia, then won the single highest honor at the Oscars of the best actor. And then now he says his goodbye. Peace. I'm leaving. Now that I've got best actor and probably made tens of millions of dollars from Pfizer, if not more, for smacking somebody on stage. So 
if you're in that conspiracy world, <laughs> that is an interesting thought, right? Did he go up there and did this event happen, this acting event happen to raise awareness about this, I don't know, uh, autoimmune disorder, which Pfizer then just so happens to sponsor the Oscars for, which then just so happens to be the biggest talk of the night for the Oscars in the last 10 years, and just so happens to be around the same time that they're releasing an alopecia medication. Hmm. If this shit's all planned, whoever is doing this is obviously quite good at it. Whoever is on their Pfizer marketing team <laughs> should should be the one winning actor of the year. Because all of, all of the things that they've done over the last couple years to make these things happen um, is, from an outside perspective, beside looking at it for the negative, terrible things that they've done and all of the people that they've killed, is quite the feat to get, I don't know, whatever percentage of the American public vaccinated with something for no specific reason at all, um, and then to go on and sway the Oscars to get Will Smith to go smack the shit out of Chris Rock <laughs> for an alopecia medicine. If this is all true, it's almost uh, impressive, and obviously in the worst way, right? Um, you know, the things that Hitler did were impressive in a terrible, horrible unbelievable way where how the hell did you get that many people to go along with your shit? And in this case, same thing. What in the world? Who is running the show? It, 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 because obviously the things that they're doing is impressive in the worst way if all of these things are true. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that it was, but it seems pretty weird that this alopecia medicine is coming out right along the same time as Will Smith smacking Chris Rock over this alopecia joke on the biggest platform ever right? So now, speaking of Pfizer and speaking of vaccinations, let's go ahead and listen to Dr. Fauci, who had a clip resurface recently of him basically saying there is absolutely no reason that anybody who has had the flu should get a flu vaccination because that's the best thing that you could ever have is the flu. The best vaccine, he says, that you could have is actually getting the virus. So, Let's go ahead and listen to his own words here. Fortunately, that appears to be the case with you. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she should not she get it? If she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. Henderson, North Carolina. Good morning. Okay. Now, could you imagine if somebody said that on national television about COVID? You, if you got COVID, have absolutely no reason at all to get vaccinated. Flagged. Misinformation, hate speech, uh, racism, sexism, misogynistic, uh, transphobia, which is what you would get flagged for on social media if you said that shit right now or two days ago or two years ago when this COVID-19 thing came out. If you said that you have no reason to get it at all, if you said word for word what he just said on national television, about COVID, you would literally have been reamed out. Now, don't mistake it. The same principle exactly translates 
And science has not changed, guys. No matter how much gaslighting the American uh, political system tries to push in your face or the, or the corporations or the Hollywood Oscars, science has not changed. If you got COVID, there's no reason you should have got vaccinated because the most powerful vaccination, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci, is to have gotten the flu. If you got the flu and you know you got the flu, there's no reason to get the flu shot. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, replace the word flu for COVID, and we know how much of a fucking hypocrite that this man is, just pushing the narrative of the companies that fund him, like he has done for a very, very, very long time, all the way back to the AIDS epidemic, and uh, what was the medication? NZT, right? I'm pretty sure it's NZT. Now, that could either be the limitless drug from, what was it, Bradley Cooper movie, uh, or it's either AZT or NZT, I'm pretty sure they're, they, uh, pretty sure it's AZT, um, yeah, NZT was the one from Limitless, <laughs> anyways, um, AZT was a drug, if you didn't know, that was a cancer drug that was repurposed for the AIDS epidemic by Fauci himself, that ended up killing tons and tons and tons of people, that was completely ineffective and did nothing, but they were basically repurposed it because they had no reason to be able to use it for cancer treatments, and they made so much money off of repurposing it for the AIDS epidemic, which some people don't even think was real. Um, interesting. So, from the words of Dr. Anthony Fauci, if you got the flu, don't get a flu shot. If you got COVID, don't get the COVID shot. Don't get the vaccine because you have the most powerful vaccine that you could ever get, according to Dr. Fauci. Do with that information what you please. Now, I don't know if anybody's still getting vaccinated at this point. Like if you've, if you've gone this long without getting vaccinated, there's probably very few people who are going to the local CVS or McDonald's drive through like that you were doing for a while. Isn't that crazy? Like how many cra how many crazy things have happened over the last couple of years where it was like, you know, from from the guy that was eating, a you know, um, it was like the New Jersey uh, congressman or uh governor who was eating a cheeseburger like sloppily mmm <laughs> yeah I love this love this burger and these french fries now you can only get a free one if you go get a vaccine mmm all you fat people out there that want a burger um yeah go get your vaccination now too because that's what's going to make you healthy maybe just skip the burger lose the weight and you'll probably live longer oh and probably don't get vaccinated either because now we know if you just get covid yeah, the, basically the flu, and for some people, even less than what the flu was, you have the strongest vaccination possible, quote unquote, Dr. Anthony Fauci. All right, my rant on COVID's over. Now, we're going to look at a quick video about Elon Musk teasing the idea that he may put out a new social media platform. Now, this is on the back of Truth Social, right? Now, if you don't know, my Instagram has been shadow banned. I don't even think I've talked about this yet. My Instagram has been shadow banned beyond oblivion. You cannot even look my name up in the search bar right now and find Red Pill Revolt. If you look for my name and you don't follow me, you type in the name exactly, Red Pill Revolt. You will not see it in the search bar. You will see my backup count account with 400 people who follow it. If you don't follow the backup, go follow it. Red Pill Revolt 2. But look up Red Pill Revolt on Instagram and you will no longer find our account. We have been shadow banned beyond oblivion for reposting that Senate hearing about the bioweapons labs. That's it. That was what it was. And now I lost basically my entire platform that I've built with hundreds and hundreds of hours of work over the last several, several months. And 
am having to find new channels to market this podcast and build our audience. So if you know any ways around that complete shadow ban, let a brother know because my videos dropped and my story dropped. I used to get, you know, four or 5,000 people watching my story. It dropped down to like 300 or 200. Um, used to get, you know, up 350,000 views on some videos. Now it's about 3,000 with 50,000 followers that I gained completely organically. And it's all gone. Hundreds of hours of work down the drain. Now it's not down the drain because you're here listening to this and I appreciate you so much. But Quite disappointing from my perspective um, that for speaking the truth and talking about a Senate hearing, my channel has been obliterated off of Instagram and you can no longer find my channel even if you search it directly. Word for word, letter for letter, cannot find it. <sighs> really quite disappointing. Like deep down in my soul, um, really sucks. Really sad about it. Um, but that's all right. We'll keep moving forward. I will build it back even better um, and we will continue this revolution. But please consider donating. Please consider sharing this podcast. You know, if everybody on this podcast right now just shared it to one person, we could double the audience. Um, and I would appreciate that so much. So if you think that I'm doing a good job, go ahead and share this with one, two, three, five people that you know. Um, and it would mean the world to me because right now it is a struggle trying to build this with no, you know, at least the singular platform that I built it on with organic outreach uh, being just completely taken from me for no other reason than telling the truth. Um, so. If you'd like to do that, there's a share link right on there. You know, you could also go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe right now. Click that, click that subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, thank you so much. Click that subscribe button. I would appreciate it. And also leave a five-star review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and leave a five-star review. would mean the world to me. Um, but other than that, what you can do is also go to uh, givesendgo.com, givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution and make a donation there. Um, it would mean the world to me. It tells me that what I'm doing means something to you. Um, or you can join the Patreon. On the Patreon, we have a full video episode, if you'd like to listen to it. It's right on the Patreon for you. Um, it's $5 a month, and you also get the Discord server. Um, for $15 a month, we're going to be moving towards eventually, once we get a few people on there a live additional episode every single week um, right on the Patreon for you guys where it's all user generated questions and topics. Um, so patreon.com slash red pill revolt. All right. That's what I got. Let's go ahead and watch this. Um, now on the, the backs of uh, basically truth social taking its sweet little time approving people to get into truth social still have been on the waiting list for several months now. Um, lost all contact with them that I had directly to get me signed up um, ahead of time. Um, so now Elon Musk may be able to build an entire platform in the end <laughs> before <laughs> Trump is letting people actually on the true social. I wouldn't put it past Elon Musk. So let's see what he's talking about with this new social media platform. Tesla's chief executive officer and billionaire Elon Musk is giving, quote, serious thought to building a new social media platform, which he announced in a post last weekend. According to Reuters, Musk was responding to a Twitter user's question on whether he would consider building a social media platform with an open source algorithm and one that would prioritize free speech and where propaganda was minimal. Musk has been critical of Twitter and its recent policies. His announcement comes a day after he put out a Twitter poll asking users if they believed Twitter adheres to the principle of free speech. Over 70% voted no. I'm surprised that there's 30% that thought yeah. that uh, tw right. <laughs> Twitter does adhere. Tw Twitter's better than the rest, though, right? I mean, um, it's, a, it's a sliding um, scale. I don't know if Twitter's better or worse than Facebook. Yeah. It's kind of debatable. I, there are things right. I like about Twitter better. I like 
their sort of bird watch fact checking thing is better than Facebook's third party fact checkers, which are atrocious. Twitter, Twitter lets you, and it doesn't block the whole article. They, they let you like put a comment on that, and then you can comment on that comment. And it's a better program than Facebook's like just utterly awful um, fact checking. But I, I don't know. I guess I don't know which is worse overall. D Dorsey was kind of committed to free speech in some ways, or he was the so most. So Zuckerberg. So so Zuckerberg. And Zuckerberg's still you know still there. Right. Um, I mean, they both were, at, but they both right. have, I think both platforms censor, they just censor slightly different content. Same thing with right. YouTube. So it's really challenging navigating all of these big tech platforms for, you know, a, a yeah. show like Rising, for example, because if we're posting clips on Twitter and on YouTube and on Facebook, you have to kind of know, okay, right. each platform has its own rules and regulations and they're not all the same. And so what is it going to be? But, you know, it's interesting to think about a platform that would prioritize free speech. I'm not really sure what that would look like. My guess, if Elon built it, I, I I don't know if it would be one of those things where it's like, a, you know, where he's, he goes full throttle with it and says, OK, let's do this like Twitter, um, uh, you know, alternative or if it would just be something he kind of builds. Couldn't you just says, buy well, Twitter and then change its policies? That would be the but why start over? Buy Twitter and just fix it up a little bit. Uh, there you the, go. And, the richest man in the world. Why not? Yeah. And, and the whole having it be free speech. You know, so, okay, so it, it's a private organization, so it doesn't have to follow the First Amendment. None of these, you know, platforms do. And I don't think, and even when people say they, they just want it to be a free speech platform, usually what they, they still want some level of moderation. Right. Like, we don't just want it to be, you know, porn and death threats and harassment. Although there's porn on Twitter. There is porn on Twitter. It's a very Total notable. porn on Twitter. It's right. the most discordant social media policy there is. Porn allowed on Twitter, not on any of the other platforms. But, uh, but all this, you know, some amount of harassment and, and, and policing of that kind of stuff, pretty much everybody at the end of the day is going to think is appropriate. The question is, where do you draw the line? And, you know, different people would draw it differently. But no, no any platform that sets out to say, oh, no, we're never going to draw that line, there's no line, it's not going to be a good platform. Yeah. That said, it could definitely be more allowing of open you know, discussion and debate of legitimate issues like the things we talk about on the show or try to talk about to the extent YouTube lets us, uh, that could certainly be a, a better and an improved no norm yeah. on a platform like Twitter. For me, the line is the law. So if something is breaking the law, well, then that would be where well, the I line know, is. But I, I think the, the, the law is a line, but there would be more like, like technically, it's, I don't think it's illegal to you know, to just to, to to say where someone lives or what their phone number is, right? That you you can't go to jail for sharing that information. On Twitter, I think if you post someone's phone number or 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 address, physical address, I, I think they should take it down. I, I would support a social media policy against that kind of behavior, even though that behavior is fine under the First Amendment, right? Is it really? You're not. A, yeah. it, that's it's totally legal to dox somebody mm -hmm. yeah. everywhere. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah, they have to shut I guess down Nexus. I, well, now that I think about it, I guess they do it all the time. Like here in LA, you could do a tour of the Hollywood homes, right? <laughs> Go yeah. see the celebrities' homes. We'll drive you by them. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, I there there, there are some things that should be different on social media. That right, they're not complete First Amendment. I think, just my opinion, that kind but of stuff. Maybe, I think they should prohibit. Right, but but maybe those could be genuine community guidelines. Like for example. If they collectively put it out there and asked the people, would you be okay with doxing? Should we allow that on a platform? And people would overwhelmingly say no. 
then they'd say, okay, that's part of the community guidelines. One of the issues with these big tech platforms is they're not even really asking the community what the community wants or doesn't want, right? They're just telling us these are our right. community guidelines, whether you like them or not. But maybe if something was more inclusive, right, and said, as a community, what do we maybe, as a but people? Maybe, th but th for all we know, the, the community on Twitter in particular might be totally for absolute censorship of dissenting <laughs> views, right? That's, I, yeah, that's true, yeah. right. Yeah, be careful. Not on, on Facebook, no. On Facebook, I think the community... All right, so getting mixed reviews there, because I'm pretty sure doxing in some ways is, is illegal. It can be a, considered a form of harassment. Um, however, anyways, Elon Musk coming out with his own platform, potentially, at least teases it. Now, if he does decide to do that, like I said, it may probably happen faster than I'm even let into Truth Social. <laughs> Now, what, what I have a problem with is all of these, you know, secondary, um, tertiary social media outlets all tend to be like a, a, a Twitter, uh, reproduced Twitter, basically, where it just gives you a certain amount of letters. And if you post it, it goes on this little feed and you can find people to follow based on who people share their feeds of. And like, I hate that, like short form, you know, I'd much rather talk to you guys through video and discuss things that way and, and get organic outreach that, you know, it's like much more, um, I don't know. I just don't like the Twitter. I, I've never really used Twitter since I, like 2012. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know if Truth Social is like that. It seems like it might be, but I don't know. We'll have to see. And, and I hope, you know, somebody eventually comes out with a, a differentiation between TikTok and Instagram. Um, because it's interesting finding like what they just said is that, you know, you have to walk that line. And I'm sure the Hill does. But, you know, I, I do even more with the content that I talk about is that you have to find the line with each individual social media outlet. And I'm pretty sure with TikTok, like if anybody flags your stuff, it just immediately gets taken down. I posted a video about the, the cat situation from, you know, an episode or two ago where the cats got banned from the International Cat Federation for Russian cats. And uh, that got flagged for hate speech on, on TikTok. Um, but it's the most effective way to get your podcast or, you know, it's the most effective marketing tool is if you can put out solid video content, um, the, the amount of uh, reach that you can get um, where people just don't put very much time into video editing. And if you do it well and the things that you're talking about are interesting and you tend to be an interesting person who is talking about them, it can circulate quite well on those platforms. So I hope that eventually TikTok, Instagram reels uh, get replaced with something that is free speech uh, based because that would be really good for the revolution, the red pill revolution, the show that you're listening to right now. <laughs> but it will be interesting to see if that plays out. Um, haven't heard much more about it other than that. Now, um, we're going to jump right into our last topic before going into the Hunter Biden laptop, which is a nice segue. Uh, Madison Cawthorn went on to a podcast uh, over the last week and discussed how he was approached by people within the political sphere about joining them in an orgy. <laughs> yes, you heard that right. And then he went on about how he's seen people snorting cocaine um, and things like that, all while in the political sphere. So let's watch this video, and then we will discuss it. And then there's a quick little video about a uh, news source and some people who have been going after Madison Cawthorn for speaking about these things. Um, so let's go ahead and watch this clip here. It was revealing. It was a, a show called House of Cards. I'm going to turn my hat around for this. This is. Are you familiar with it's House of Cards? It's about to get Cards? serious. Yes, I am. With uh, Kevin Spacey, and I forget who else uh, was in it. Um, but anyway. Really well done show. Very well done Very show. Very well done show. But it was so dirty, and it was about this uh, congressman uh, who was Kevin Spacey, 
who was, I think it was minority or majority whip. Yep. What was it? Yeah. And so anyway, very, very powerful guy. And it was just kind of like his secret life of all this corruption and power and money and perversion. And it was just dirty. How much, in your opinion, because you've been behind the veil, is this a fictitious show? Or is this more closer to like a documentary? Is, is it that bad? So I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked a question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about, uh, about education passed that quickly. And everything else is good. Uh, aside <laughs> from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington, remember the average age is probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. And then there's also kind of the whole espionage aspect of what goes on in Washington of, you know, so many people trade in secrets and there, there's a currency to secrets. And yeah. so uh, it, it's wild. And then, you know, there's members of the, of the, the media, the journalists who kind of will keep nasty stories about you or about other people on a shelf. And then if you're about to kind of speak out against something they don't want you to, they'll come out and say, well, we're about to drop the story of when, you know, 17 years ago you did X, Y, and Z. And you don't want us to drop that story, do you? So we're, we're going to bully you back into this position. Practically, let's say that all of a sudden I was going into office. By the way, I have no political aspirations, zero. And people are always like, John, run for office. It'll be like, nope, absolutely not. I'd like to support people that have that calling. I have no desire to do that. But let's, as a little thought experiment, I am just elected Congress, Senate, whatever. And I get in there and I go through my orientation and I have my good values and stuff and I stand for something like many other before. Uh, how does that slippery slope actually get in front of me? Our current president, you know, he's been in public service for 50 years at a certain salary, which is kind of like, it's good, but it's not great. You can't become a lavish, multi, multi, multi-millionaire with all these different houses and it, the math doesn't work. Like the battery so, example, that, that was a real example, That's right? a real example, yeah. No, I, right before we added, uh, announced we were going to add about 700,000 electric vehicles to our federal fleet, I noticed, because if you go to, uh, yeah, I think it's CEOwatchlist.org, you can see the trades that publicly traded companies, CEOs, and anybody in the C-suite are making, or all, what all trades members of Congress are making. And so we all kind of monitor that just to see what's going on. And I noticed a lot of people in the majority party were buying stocks that had to do with some kind of battery, some kind of technology for electric vehicles. And then wouldn't you know it, about a month or two later, it was then announced for adding 700,000 electric vehicles to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the fleet. And then... Wow. So let's, let's address that in parts. <laughs> so he's asked about House of Cards. Great show. Unfortunate that it's Kevin Spacey because I don't think you're allowed to watch it now. Um, but speaking on sexual perversion, he, get a, he gets asked, you know, he, he gets basically starts the sentence with the fact that, you know, most of uh, Congress and Senate and these people that I've looked up to for a long time um, are in their 60s and their 70s. And they came to me asking me to come to this sexual party at their house. And then he refers to them talking about an orgy. 
<laughs> if there's anybody that Madison Cawthorn is interested in, you know, how old is he? 20, 26. Decent looking guy, you know, um, is interested in having an orgy with. It's probably not any single person that's also so happens to be in politics. Um, unless it was some sort of like, uh, you know, despite sex with AOC, which, you know, if they decided to do that, you know, I'm sure some people would would. <laughs> pay a, for a pay-per-view for um but uh anyways if there's anybody that he's gonna have an orgy with it's probably not anybody that there's you know he's alongside in politics and and you know I, i'd be interested to see how many heart attacks happen at this political orgy <laughs> especially because they all have to have the vaccine um you know so it's, uh, you know, he got like worked for this after he talked about it. Um, and then he, the second thing he goes on to say is basically that these same people who are going on to push the policies around American drug addiction um, are also sitting in front of them taking a key bump of cocaine um, right in front of him. And so he got so much pushback from his own party, right, um, for talking about these things. And they don't have, a, they, they never refuted them, right? They said, no, we don't have, you know, 70-year-old orgies at the GOP convention. <laughs> but you shouldn't be talking about them is basically what they said about this. Um, and the same thing with the, the cocaine situation. Um, nobody said he wasn't telling the truth. And so we'll go on to the next clip where they kind of comment on this, right? Where they say, you know, he shouldn't have talked about this. Uh, it's immature. We hope to have him replaced by several other people who would never have brought this situation up. But nobody's going on here to say that, no, that never happens in the political sphere. We're all great people and don't have these sexual perversions. And, you know, uh, so it, it's puzzling to me that uh, anybody who tells the truth in politics is vilified immediately. And Madison Cawthorn just tells the truth too much for these people um, when it comes to their perversions, whether it's drugs, whether it's, uh, sexual perversions, whether it's, you know, their, uh, back, back end, um, investments in companies that they shouldn't be investing in based on insider trading knowledge, like Nancy Pelosi. Um, so he said the things that you're not supposed to say, but why shouldn't you say them? They're true, right? There's, there's somebody here, legit, a legitimate, person in our political sphere who is speaking the truth about these situations and he's being vilified for it. So there's a quick clip right here where they, we actually see this vilification of him talking about the, for, for talking about these things by his own political party saying that he should be out of the party because of him discussing these things. Not that they were wrong, but that he should just have nothing to do with politics because he's speaking the truth. And here's that. Orgies and cocaine. Those claims are drawing a lot of disbelief after a North Carolina congressman made them. Good evening, everyone. I'm Rod Carter. I'm Angela Taylor. Madison Cawthorn's comments have drawn criticism from his own party before. CBS 17's Russ Bowen joins us. And Russ, who uh, was he referring to? Well, his colleagues in Congress. He didn't name names, but even so, it's enough to draw ire from the people who work alongside him. To implicate your colleagues in orgies, and not just cocaine, but key bumps of cocaine, a phrase that, frankly, I had to Google uh, before I even really knew what it meant. So this was 
a new one even for Madison Cawthorn. What political scientist Chris Cooper, who lives in Madison Cawthorn's congressional district, is referring to is a podcast and video where Cawthorn was asked whether the Netflix show House of Cards is closer to a documentary. Cawthorn went on to claim he'd been invited by fellow lawmakers to orgies and watch them use cocaine. Both North Carolina Senators Tom Tillis and Richard Burr have criticized the comments, as have other Republican lawmakers who typically remain silent, like Arkansas Congressman Steve Womack. I think it goes without saying that no one thinks this was a good thing to say. Today, I can't even believe that Madison Cawthorn would think this is a good thing to say. Um, it sounds like he got dressed down by, uh, by McCarthy. And, uh, you know, I rarely say this, but in this case, I think it was well-deserved. That dress down comes less than a week after Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy responded to Cawthorn calling Ukrainian President Zelensky a thug. Madison is wrong. If there's any thug in this world, it's Putin. And his video has been released of one of several times that Cawthorn has been pulled over for speeding and cited for driving while his license was revoked. What, what do you do with this? Which is really interesting, right? So he comes out and says, and if you listen to that, they didn't say anything about him not being correct. They didn't say anything about these orgies being fictitious or that these people doing drugs and cocaine in front of him being wrong. They didn't say that. They said that it was not, like whatever that guy said, not appropriate, or he shouldn't even have talked about it. And uh, it, he got rightfully dressed down by this other old-ass 75-year-old senator for speaking about these things. What? What? Nothing he said was wrong. Nobody's refuted these things. Yet they're going to now release, which is exactly what he said they would do, word for word, so that they keep these things on the shelf. And literally, the only thing that they can find with him is him getting pulled over <laughs> for speeding. Or driving without a license or something on top of that. So, and he says that's well deserved because he talked about the, the, the unspeakable orgies and cocaine usage in our political spectrum. He literally just proved him right. He said that they're going to shelf something about me and then use it when I say something that they don't like. So, he said something they don't like. You old people, <laughs> you gross people, want me to join your orgy? And you also do cocaine while also trying to save the world from drug addiction. And then when I say something about it, you're going to shelf something like a video of me getting pulled over. That's the worst thing you can find of Madison Cawthorn doing. Um, and then release it at the same time. So it tries to overshadow the statements that I said about you asking me, a 26-year-old, to have an orgy with you 70 weirdos. Um, and then saying something about your cocaine usage, right? And again, this guy, this political scientist standing next to this guy in this interview says nothing about the, him being wrong. He just says it's not a good idea to talk about those things. Hmm, maybe because they're true. Maybe because there is sexual perversion within our, our political sphere. Maybe because they are doing drugs there, as we saw with Nancy Pelosi's inability to keep her dentures in her mouth or to not look like a lizard weirdo standing up in the middle of Joe Biden's... Uh, you know, speech a few months, a couple months ago or a month ago. Um, so let's finish this out. There's a, there's 40 seconds left. Let's see what the rest they have to say about this. If you're one of the other candidates, whether you're a D or an R in the 11th district running in this primary. There are seven people that are running against Madison Cawthorn. So eight total in the primary. And all seven are trying to portray themselves as more mature, more grown up and better decision makers than Madison Cawthorn. Clearly, this is going to make that an easier proposition. 
And without a doubt, guys, I imagine we're going to see some of this in some of those ads that have reached all across the state at this point. For his part, so far, Madison Cawthorn has not commented. Guys. This is wild. Very interesting stuff there, Russ. Not every day those two words no. are the first out of your mouth. That's for Not sure. here on the news. All right. Thank you. Russ, thank so again, nobody's saying he's wrong. And then he says that, oh, they're more mature and older than them. So they're trying to de depict themselves that way within the 7th District so that they can get elected above Madison Cawthorn. Because, you know, when they get invited to our orgies, hopefully they'll, they'll say yes. And they won't speak about it on a podcast. You know, like, it's so funny that these people can sit here and try to justify, you know, the quote-unquote dressing down of Madison Cawthorn, um, which, again, they didn't post anything that showed any venom or anything that he said being wrong. Um, they support that, but they don't support him speaking the truth about politics, him speaking the truth about what's behind that veil that they talked about, right? They just want to diminish what he says, throw a video of him getting pulled over and let it fizzle off into the distance and think that he's going to get outshined by these other people because, you know, they'll, they'll actually go to the orgies and do the cocaine with the other politicians. <laughs> Who do you want in politics? The guy calling out these weirdos or the person who's partaking in these 70 year old orgies while doing cocaine? It's just so weird to me that we're in a place where it's the person speaking out about the orgies and cocaine in politics who's wrong, who's being, you know, who's who's having the news media go after him for saying something about it, not a bunch of like news articles like who is he talking about? Who's having the orgies in in, the, in politics? Who's doing the cocaine bump in the bathroom? Well, probably Nancy Pelosi. Um, but the conversation is not the, the drama around who is doing these things or why he said these things. The drama is around the fact that he spoke the truth. Madison Cawthorn spoke the truth about politics, spoke the truth about the sexual perversion within the political spectrum and the political sphere, and spoke the truth about the drug usage of these senators that are pushing for addiction correction in the United States while also doing a bump of cocaine. But, you know, Madison Cawthorn's in the wrong for mentioning the truth, not the you know, the, the, the normal conversation that should come of this of like, who is, who are these people? Who's doing drugs in the bathroom, um, of, of the Senate, right? Who is, who is calling Madison Cawthorn to see if he wants to come to an orgy? <laughs> like that should be the conversation. Shouldn't we be talking about that? Not the fact that he actually talked about the truth. It's crazy. Like literally anything that you look up right now about this Cawthorn, you know, Madison Cawthorn talking about these things is a negative connotation about him speaking the truth right like uh, they're all in the group of the orgy group like they're all in this group chat together talking about oh shit can madison cawthorn spoke about our sunday night orgies in washington <laughs> not the fact that he actually talked about these things trying to figure out who did it like the right news media would be going after who is the person who's doing cocaine in the bathroom of senate or congress that's the big story. The big story is not the congressman who's talking about these people and speaking the truth about these things. The big story is there in the bathroom on that, you know, bump of cocaine or at that person's house where there's a bunch of 70 year olds having an orgy and having a heart attack when it happens. Like, that's the story. And to, to see that they're diminishing the truth, to see that they can't even combat the things that he says, but yet they go after him like he's the villain for speaking the truth is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Um, so, again, like you've heard me say before, kudos to you, Madison Cawthorn. First of all, for not going to the 70-year-old orgy, right? I'm sure you can do better, buddy. 
<laughs> and then second of all, uh, for speaking out about these things against them shelving that video of you getting pulled over, which they thought was great timing, proving every statement that you said right, by the way. Anyways, so um, we're going to now move on to the Hunter Biden story about the laptop. Now, again, this is resurfacing. This is resurfacing again. And this was like crazy, crazy news coverage, right? This was this was a, a, the, the story of the year released in 2020 at the very last week of the election cycle, but got diminished, got shadow banned, got eliminated off of all social media platforms, became a part of their uh, fact checker narratives that Hunter Biden's laptop was a Russia collusion, right? So now it comes back up again, now that they are the, the same news media companies that were diminishing this as false information, the same news media companies that were saying that it was Russian collusion, that this, this laptop is fake news, right? Now they're coming out because they know that it's coming to a point where there's going to be a legal battle. Uh, Hunter Biden has now been subpoenaed for this laptop, finally, a year after the presidency, because they knew that it couldn't be overturned at this point, potentially, over this collusion, or maybe it's all part of the plan. And now they know that they're going to be able to put somebody else in power, right? Who knows? But let's go ahead and see what Tucker Carlson has to say about this. The start of this video says, Tucker shreds media over Hunter Biden coverage. It's three minutes long. Let's go ahead and listen to it. Then we'll talk about it. So something's going on with Joe Biden. His poll numbers are absolutely tanking, but it seems like elements within the Democratic Party are turning on him. We're not going to pretend we understand exactly what's going on here, but something definitely is. Here's this example, and you remember this very well. Just before the last election, the New York Post ran a story about the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. It was a huge story, but big tech censored it immediately. CNN and dozens of other former Intel officials told us that laptop was Russian disinformation. There are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. So you have a president who is asking to obtain Russian disinformation, knowing that that is what it is. He is accepting that same information, and he is then turning it and using it on the campaign trail against uh, his, his opponent. And that's mind-blowing. It's sort of a, a crazy quilt at this point, uh, uh, which has all the hallmarks of, of, of Russian disinformation. That said, it, it wasn't for lack of trying. CNN reported on Friday that U.S. authorities are seeing if those emails we just talked about are connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. So it turns out when they accuse people of Russian disinformation, they're not always sincere. Of course, they're liars. They'll say whatever they need to say. That was before the election. They needed to get Biden elected. They did it. But now they're telling you something very different. Now they're telling you, in fact, the laptop is real. Here's CNN yesterday. This is very, very bad for the president's son. It is. And it's an investigation, as you pointed out, going back to 2018. And, and right now, Prosecutors in Delaware uh, are, are focusing on a number of things, including whether Hunter Biden and, and some of his business associates uh, violated laws, including tax and money laundering laws and foreign lobbying laws. They're now gaining steam and they need to make a decision, I think, in the at least intermediate future. This case has been going on for four years and there is a realistic chance this could result in federal charges. Of course, then we'd be in unprecedented political territory, not legal territory, but a situation of having potentially the Justice Department prosecuting and trying to imprison the son of the president. What a freak show that channel is. Good luck to their new subscription service. 
But now they're telling you, yeah, it's all true, actually. And that's not the only story about Russian disinformation that has fallen apart this week. The Federal Election Commission just fined the DNC and Hillary Clinton, her campaign, more than $100,000. The FEC determined that the Clinton campaign tried to hide its role in funding the Steele dossier. Steele dossier is the false document that claimed, among many other things, that Putin got Trump elected. Turns out the disinformation was, in fact, paid for by the campaign. It was coming from the DNC. Subscribe to the Fox. So exactly what he just talked about there is CNN and, you know, all of these companies that are were formally talking about it being Russian disinformation about this laptop. Um, now they're coming out and saying that, oh, well, maybe it could be true now that they're going to, you know, you see this all the time. Like they they come out and say that shit's like everything's wrong and that what, what you're saying isn't true. And then eventually when they know that they've been backed in the corner enough that they try to salvage whatever amount of uh respect that they could even the speck of respect that they could find on the ground of themselves left before they lose all of their uh i don't know how they still have anybody who listens to them at all um but they try to salvage what reputation they have left with the people that they've brainwashed enough to continue to listen to them uh but they're doing that here, right? It's all coming to a legal head. And there's now the Steele dossier and the Hillary Clinton campaign is now being fined a hundred and something thousand dollars over their uh, real Russian, you know, disinformation campaign that they tried to go against Trump. Uh, and, and now we're seeing that the truth is coming out and they're trying to backpedal enough to try to salvage whatever reputation they have with the brainwashed people that continue to listen to them. So now we're going to look at... Um, was at Rutgers News, and they talked about how the White House won't rule out Biden's party, or pardon, not his party. He probably has a lot of parties, I would guess, <laughs> judging by his laptop, uh, but trying to rule out, it will not rule out Biden's pardon for son or his brother. So it says, presidential spokesperson dodges questions about Hunter Biden probe after laptop info resurfaces. It says the White House repeatedly refused on Friday to rule out the possibility that President Joe Biden could pardon his son, Hunter Biden or brother James Biden if suspected financial crimes related to business dealings in China are proven in court, despite questions from multiple journalists and a growing volume of articles on the subject. It says, quote, that's not a hypothetical I'm going to entertain, said White House News Communication Director Kate Bedingfield, who she told a room full of journalists after she was asked whether the president had considered a pardon for his son Hunter or brother James, both of whom are being investigated for financial improperty impropriety regarding a business deal with Chinese energy firm CEFC, China Energy, which doesn't even mention the Burisma situation. Asked about the president's continued insistence that there was nothing unethical and that Joe Hunter Biden had made no money from this thing about what you were talking about, China, Bettingfield doubled down on the elder brother Biden's denial which was made over a year earlier that his son was guilty of any wrongdoing. We absolutely stand by the president's comments, she said insisting that she did not have anything to add from this podium when the question was phrased another way. Hunter Biden is currently being investigated by the Justice Department regarding a business deal he was involved in with China, proof of which surfaced almost two years ago on the infamous laptop from hell left by, by, by him at a laptop repair shop in Delaware. The younger Biden appeared to have raked in millions of dollars for a consulting role, uh, despite insisting the deal itself fell through and his Chinese partner in the affair was later detained in China. 
While a handful of media outlets initially reported on the content of the laptop, which included not only incriminating financial documents, but also more salacious materials, including images of Hunter engaged in sexual acts and drug use. Most major press outlets gave it a pass, either dismissing it as Russian propaganda without any evidence or refusing to comment on it at all. The president infamously, infamously laughed when asked about the laptop again after the election. However, with Biden safely in the White House, mainstream outlets at, from the New York Times to CNN have begun to nibble at the story, acknowledging not only that the laptop belonged to Hunter Biden, but that there are some serious problems with the business deals discussed in the emails it contained. So, will not rule out his pardon for his sons. Now, how in the, in the world can the president pardon his own children for doing back deal shady deals with China or Russia or Ukraine, which were all included in there, when he was elected under the guise and the money came for him, right? He was the one that is, he, if he has to pardon his sons, he's going to have to pardon his damn self because he was the reason that they even had access to these situations to begin with, right? The only reason that Hunter Biden and James Biden which I've never heard that name really before, had access to China, had access to Ukraine, was because they were pushing and peddling his their father's influence. The vice president of the United States at the time, and knowingly a, a strong political proponent in the United States who could get things done within the political spectrum. I guess I'm using that a lot. Political spectrum, political sphere, political arena, <laughs> whatever it is, right? We know that the only reason they had the opportunity to, to give these deals and to make this money was because of their father, who was elected based on this being Russian disinformation, right? It's like two-thirds of people said that it would have swayed their vote on the Democratic side if the laptop was deemed true. But how in the world? He has to pardon himself. He can't just pardon his sons. He'd have to pardon not only Hunter, not only James, but he'd have to also have to pardon himself. And if he has to do that, then he is not fit to be president. He was being utilized by China and Ukraine and for business dealings. And, and literally, if you recall the Ukraine situation, which we're about to dive into a little bit more of why this laptop even has a conversation around Ukraine, um, which even there's an article right here that says Hunter Biden emails back up Ukraine biolab claims. We know that Biden was that the only reason that they had these business deals and, and, and shows in Biden's or Hunter Biden's laptop where he says that 50% of all money he makes goes to Joe, goes to the big guy he talks about, right? We know these things. And the only reason he can pardon them is because he became president and he became president because of these back end shady deals that he was doing on behalf of his sons, which are going to have to be pardoned because they're going to go to jail for peddling their father's influence, who is now the most influential man in the world. So, on that note, let's go into a deep, deep dive of what was actually on that laptop. All right? Now, I'm going to be reading this from a substack. And the substack is Jessica Reed Kraus. Jessica R-E-E-D-K-R-A-U-S, her substack, where she goes into a great number of detail on all of this, which includes evidence of addictions. Affairs, incest, overseas, overseas dealings, and corrupt media cover-ups within Hunter Biden's laptop. So, it says, the Hunter Biden email cover-up may not only be the most contemptible example of the modern political media's corruption, but it is most probably 
the most demonstrable, which is by the New York Post. The lack of curiosity from most of the media is repellent and really corrupt, but I think the dam is about to burst. And that was by Miranda Devine. So this says, <clears throat> in the late 2020, just as the presidential election was coming to a head, news of Hunter Biden's discarded laptop broke only to be quickly dismissed as a Russian hoax by nearly every major outlet in mainstream media. The laptop was said to contain evidence of extreme depravity, as well as emails, text messages, photos, financial documents, detailing how Hunter used his political leverage to help him and his father profit overseas in corrupt secret dealings waged with companies in Ukraine and China. The extent of this coordinated shutdown by media was, of course, aided by big tech, particularly Facebook and Twitter, whose combined efforts to silence, block, and censor the story helped squash it as soon as it started to gain the kind of momentum that could possibly sway an election. Across the board, it was deemed dangerous misinformation. Big tech going so far as to punish anyone who tried to share the news of it on Twitter by locking them out of their accounts for extended periods of time. And we saw this across the board. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Everywhere. Every media outlet echoed the same dismissive statements. Jen Psaki even tweeted a political story titled, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of formal intel officials say. And nearly every mainstream media outlet took to the political story and ran with it. Now it shows the tweet. <clears throat> says, why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories, it says, by NPR. And we don't want to waste the listeners' and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. <laughs> okay. It now says that Sen Senator Marsha Blackburn, which was the same senator who uh, really grilled uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, the new Supreme Court justice, about what is a woman, if you recall that name, was Senator Blackburn, who tweeted, Hunter Biden's laptop was always real, but the mainstream media and big tech silenced you for talking about it anyways. The article goes on to say, what I saw back then, what I was allowed to see back then was the least troublesome contents of the laptop, mostly images of Hunter partying in hotel with hotel hookers slumped in the bathtub, smoking a cigarette, passed out in bed with a crack pipe hanging out of his mouth. They were gross, improved the sad state of his addiction, but I didn't see anything criminal. Well, I mean, smoking crack <laughs> is, is criminal, but beside the point. The extent of my political allegiance by this time has been fully dissolved, but anyone who is half a brain knew that this has been one of Trump's kids caught with the crack pipe. The media would have pounced on it flooding us with headlines, and we wouldn't have been able to escape if we tried. Why, I wondered, had our coverage become so unbalanced? And why didn't anyone I know seem to really care? I spent the majority of Trump's presidency listening and believing in all of the Russian collusion accusations, assuming they were true because it's all we heard from reputable news sources. Nearly four years later, however, it was proven false. I heard almost nothing from media retractions clearing him of his charges, charges many today still believe is true. 18 months later, the laptop has been confirmed by the same news outlets who helped to bury it, exposing the real purveyors of disinformation, all those who failed to do their journalistic duty and investigate it any further. The fact that the story was not followed up on during 2020 will go down as one of the most glaring examples of criminal tendencies embraced by modern journalists who continue to choose party ties over the quest for truth that previously defined their role in society. Now, that's an interesting statement because you like you hear about the way that journalists are looked at today is like, you know, 
it's looked at like this like grimy gross job now as it should be like in in the way that our mainstream media has looked at you know uh, we we look at journalists and if you look back like towards the 70s and 80s like think about comic books right like think about marvel think about like the way that journalists were looked at like hard nosed cigarette smoking truth defining journalists who would like go after people and weren't afraid of anything and would you know chase you down in the parking lot like real james o'keefe Project Veritas style OG journalists were like, that was a cool job, right? Like boots on the ground in, in a different country, figuring out the truth, sitting down with, you know, uh, the Taliban and like hearing them and like putting your life on the line. And now journalists are just these like little sissies in Twitter saying whatever the hell, you know, George Soros puts down the, the mainstream line for, for what they should be saying about things. That's not journalism. Right. And journalism should be about the truth. Like if you are a good journalist in today's society, you should be easily rising to the top, right? Through Substack, through whatever it is. Like there, there are many, many different like ways for you to get your messages out there in the right way. And and you will eventually build an audience based on truth, based on facts, based on you know your personality, based on the things that you say, based on everything. You you can you can build an audience around the truth, and and that's what people are hungry for. People are so sick of listening to journalists who who can barely you know say anything other than a script that's put in front of them in front of the TV. Like every every news commentator, and that's kind of why I like the Hill is because it's not fully scripted. You can see in the way that their discussions and panels are is it's not scripted. It's not they're like they're reading from a teleprompter about every word. Literally, it, it, it's why it drives me nuts sometimes <laughs> too. <laughs> it's because, you know, it, it's just um they don't have the best takes on everything all the time, but they're true full takes. And you can tell it from the dialogue and the way that they have these conversations. Um, so I appreciate that. So it's it's decent journalism. But but the way that journalists are looked at today is like they are the purveyors of disinformation. They are the uh, minister of truth, right, of the 1984 George Orwellian perspective. They are the, the ministry of truth. And everything that they say is actually a lie. And so there needs to be a new wave of journalism through these like uh, disassociated individuals on, you know, whether it's TikTok platforms, Substack, whatever it is, who come out with the truth on these things. You know, like there's a few that I really like to follow. Like somebody asked me, uh, what are what are my platforms that I follow? There's a few like the Atlas News generally is a good one. Um Real news, no bullshit. Rebel news. Uh, I follow a few like that um, that are really <clears throat> good, boots on the ground, smaller entities that tell the truth about things and, and correct themselves when they're wrong because they are interested in the truth. They're not interested in narratives. They're not interested in the corporate greed that comes down from these uh, you know, political elitists or oligarchs who control the mainstream narrative on things. And then we're going to see those start to take over as time goes on. Right. We and, and hopefully they don't get bought out like we saw with like Newsmax and OAN and, and all of those ones that we like hoped would be the new, uh, you know, um, the truth tellers. Right. I, I think it's going to be at an individual level. Right. I, I think that's where the value is of it. Um, so anyways, let's let's go ahead and move on through this through this or we'll be here for five hours. Um, the, fa <laughs> the fact that the story was not followed up on during the 2020 will go down as one of the most glaring examples of criminal tendencies embraced by modern journalists who continue to push or choose party ties over the quest for truth as previously defined by the role in society. Guilty of creating further suspicion, especially among conservatives called crazy for demanding an investigation into the laptop after um 
where'd it go? Anyways, once you realize how calculated the media cover-up was, it starts to resemble an Epstein-style operation that the CCP ran on Hunter Biden in order to gain control over Joe Biden, which could mean the Biden administration is already compromised via CCP blackmail related to these sex tapes, and who knows what else, a fact the media blatantly chose to ignore. Since the story is picking up speed again, now that CNN, The Post, and The New Yorker, among others, have come forth to confirm its legitimacy, we are finally allowed to revisit the story. One that appears to frame the Biden family as a severely corrupt, incestuous bunch that might be more indebted to China than anyone dared to let us believe. Now, here's a video of Joe Rogan detailing the media and big tech's calculated cover-up of the story in 2020. It said Twitter shut down the Post account for 16 days and locked any users who tried to share the newspaper story. And here that is. New York Times just now is admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop is real. And, yeah. you know, we yeah. remember from the debates with Trump bringing it up to Biden and Biden saying it's bullshit and these into it's, it's a lie. Yeah. A flat out lie. Yeah. Everybody knew it was a lie. The New York Post had that story that was banned from Twitter, which was just outright crazy. That one of the oldest newspapers in the country. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody's gonna go back and apologize to them. No, no one's but. apologizing. Says high profile podcaster Joe Rogan has lambasted. Uh, the news media and mainstream media in the U.S. for ignoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. Last week, when reporting on Hunter Biden's tax woes, the New York Times confirmed that emails found on Hunter Biden's laptop, discarded laptop, were authentic. And they continue to say Hunter Biden's laptop has been a source of speculation since the story was first reported in the late 2020s. All right, so don't care about that. Now, it says Biden's beginning. And this talk is, it takes you through like almost all of it. This is going to be an extensive deep dive into this laptop. And I'll see if we're going to probably skim over some of it because it's so large. But I will include it in this week's podcast companion so you can check this out. This is truly the best, most uh, deep dive that I've seen into the laptop itself. So here it is. It says, Biden's beginnings, the Biden legacy, as most of us know, comes steeped with grief and tragedy, beginning with the horrific accident that killed his wife and daughter during his first bid for the Senate. The swearing-in for his seat took place next to the bedside of his healing sons who lost their mother and their beloved little sister. Wow, really, it, is, it looks like it is at the hospital. Um, Senator Biden takes his oath in office um, from U.S. Senate Secretary Frank Valio in 1973. His father-in-law, Robert Hunter, and son, Joseph Bo Biden, are at his side in Bo's hospital room. Tragedy would strike again during Joe Biden's stint as vice president when his oldest son, Bo, was diagnosed with brain cancer in August 2013 and underwent treatment that was initially successful, but failed to cure him when the cancer resurfaced the same year. Shortly after his uh, Bo's death, Hunter Biden began having an affair with his grieving sister-in-law, Hallie, leading to his divorce from his wife, Kathleen, whom he has three daughters with. And then it talks about the affair. In Hunter Biden's autobiography, Beautiful Things, he explains that it was text messages between him and Hallie discovered on an iPad that first tipped off his wife, causing her to finally divorce him. In the book, he admits that the final straw that was the final straw with Kathleen, and she had tried for years to help him beat his addiction to crack, cocaine, and alcohol. But then she found out he was sleeping with his brother's, his dead brother's wife. She said he was always a sicko. When the story was about the affair first broke via page six, Hunter contacted his dad, begging him to offer a statement in support of their relationship, which he did. Joe Biden said, we are all lucky that Hunter and Hallie found each other 
as they were putting their lives together again after such sadness. Wow, I'm really happy that my dead son's wife is now dating my other son, who divorced his wife and his three kids, basically, over dating his dead brother's wife. Is the President of the United States defending that? They have mine and my wife Jill's full and complete support, and we are happy for them. The book also reported Hunter Biden's five-month sex and drug bender in Los Angeles right after his marriage fell apart. Now, um, it goes on to say that Kathleen filed for divorce in December 6th of 2016, alleging in court documents that during their separation, which began several months after Bo died, Hunter created financial concern to the family by spending extravagantly on his own interests, including drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, strip clubs, and gifts for women with whom he had sexual relations. It says their divorce was finalized in 2017, <clears throat> after which he and Hallie uh, fi- briefly lived together in Maryland before they broke up and he moved back to Los Angeles. Wow. Crazy. Um, it also discusses Hunter's affair with his brother's wife. There's pictures here uh, showing all of that. Um, now, the laptop timeline. So we'll go through all of this. Hunter Biden drops off his computer at the repair shop in 2019. He repair- He fails to return it in over 90 days, which means the computer belongs legally to Isaac. After browsing through the computer's files, Isaac becomes alarmed by the content he finds on it and calls the FBI, who eventually takes possession of it. A subpoena is issued on December 9th by U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf. Isaac fears for his safety, and so he gives a copy of Biden's laptop hard drive to Rudy Giuliani's attorney, Brian Costello, and two of his friends in case something happens to him. By mid-October 2020, the New York Post begins releasing Hunter Biden's emails and other information leaked from the laptop. On October 15, 2020, House Republicans send a letter to FBI director requesting answers about the computer. It becomes clear that the FBI is sitting on the computer and its contents. Rudy Giuliani begins providing regular updates on his findings in TV interviews, speaking out about the authenticity of emails and other disturbing details involving images and videos of child pornography, sexual situations with minors, one of whom prominently featured, he says, is a member of Biden's family, which ended up being his niece. His brother's daughter, with whom he was having these sexual conversations with in videos and pictures of. The emails not only incriminate Hunter, but also proves Joe lied about his knowledge of Hunter's corrupt involvement with Ukrainian dealings where the promise of access to Joe Biden is used as a bargaining leverage. Which it quotes, in light of ongoing questions about the credibility of these claims and multiple reports that the FBI is investigating their veracity, law enforcement is referring to the matter to the FBI, a spokesperson for Delaware State Police told Newsweek. The decision comes in wake of a recent interview that former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, the individual who initially obtained the hard drive, did with Newsmax TV. During the interview, Giuliani claimed that there was explicit footage of underage girls on the hard drive, along with suggestions in text message logs from the drive that Hunter had FaceTimed naked with a 14-year-old girl, and that girl being his own niece. And here is that clip with Rudy Giuliani. I agree with you. I think the American people do deserve to know, and that was sort of one of the reasons Twitter's claimed they had the authority to censor this, is because of your proximity to the president, obviously you're a supporter of his re-election campaign, uh, and they, they were curious how you came into you know possession of this hard drive in the first place. Did you or Steve Bannon or any of the other uh, people supporting the president have any prior contact with this? Mac shop owner prior to him reaching out to you? No, I mean, first of all, the, the premise on which I think Twitter took it down was it was hacked. Well, they're dead wrong. Hmm. It wasn't hacked. So that's a lie. Because they said it without knowing, which means he just pulled a lie out of the air. Yeah. And this is really part of a conspiracy with Biden. I mean, when Biden 
When I, when I first put this story out, Biden wrote a letter to all the media, which he thinks he controls, and told them to keep me off. Yeah. Now, imagine a candidate writing a letter saying to keep, keep somebody off. I mean, how frightened is he of me? Plus, they've spent the last eight or nine months attacking me every way they can in every one of their little surrogate operations that they own, like the Washington Post and the, and the New York um, uh, Times and CNN and MSNBC and the whole crew of, they're not even broadcast. I mean, they're basically like Pravda was to the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. They just published the democratic talking points. And sometimes they even use the same key words so you can figure it out. They're pathetic. I mean, it really is a terrible thing. So um, the way I came to have this, my my lawyer was contacted by this gentleman who owns this, this store that mm -hmm. fixes hard drives. And Hunter Biden had come into the store probably a year earlier, turned over three devices. The guy couldn't fix one, fixed the other immediately and had to keep the hard drive. Hunter Biden came back in two days and brought him some kind of a some kind of a uh, keyboard that would help. And within a fairly short period of time, he had it fixed. And then he started calling Biden to pick it up. Couldn't get any answer. Couldn't get any response. Didn't get paid. Um, and for some reason, Hunter Biden never showed up. Now, one of the reasons may be that the, the, the gentleman says that Hunter Biden was so drunk that he had a little trouble even getting his name out. And since I've now looked at the hard drive, I, I find that to be very credible because this was probably a bit of an exaggeration, but it looks like he's high on crack about every other day hmm. for the last five or six years. Um, Before we move on, I, I do want to back up a second because, again, another criticism is of the timeline that this was released. You just said he dropped this off about a year ago. I think uh, one of the screenshots of a quote from the Mac shop said, you know, they basically have the right to... Uh, you know, take any property that's not claimed within 90 days, you know, 90 days, there's a lot of time in between that and a year. So why is this just coming out now? Well, because they gave it to the FBI. Okay. The FBI uh, took it. The FBI agent told the FBI agent he was afraid. He was afraid of consequences. From so the he bite. didn't, this, this, this man, he didn't give you guys the copy of the hard drive and pass over the actual hard drive to the FBI. No, he gave it to the FBI first. Okay. And he waited four or five months. Why do you think he held on to it? Well, he held on to four. He held on to four copies of it. He gave two to friends of his in case he was killed. <laughs> and he was. And he, I don't laugh. People. people Serious, get, yeah. The presidency is at stake here, and we have some very dangerous people involved. Sure. Uh, so you know, I've been in law enforcement long enough to know that you, you don't laugh at that. Uh, the 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 reality is, he kept four copies. He gave two to friends in case he he he, he was killed. Uh, he waited about four months, five months. I'm not sure because my, my lawyer is one who talked to him about this. So I'm reciting what Bob told me. And then he sent some letters around to various uh, re Republicans thinking they'd be interested in it. And apparently we were the first to respond hmm. and, or, or the only one to respond or the first or whatever. And uh, my lawyer, Bob Costello, who's a former assistant U.S. attorney, former chief of the criminal division, represented George Steinbrenner, very, very excellent lawyer made contact with him, went down and visited with him, spent a good deal of time, I'm going to say a week, studying it, making sure that it was legal. What he saw was a contract that was signed by Hunter Biden, which said, a form contract that was signed by Hunter Biden, that said that uh, if, he, if he didn't pick it up in 90 days, that it would be abandoned and become the property of the 
merchant. It had been abandoned at that point by about six months. Uh, so it was clearly was the property of the, of the, of the uh, merchant. He checked the law on that to be sure. Um, and then he, then he uh, went over it to do the best he could to validate it. Uh, numbers that he could check on, events that he knew. Was he accurate about it? Was Biden accurate about it? Actually, we didn't really validate until I got it because although he knew more about the hard drive, I know the case backwards and forwards. Right. And I have an enormous amount of information from confidential informants. So, for example, I could see dates there that only Hunter Biden would know because they haven't been published anywhere. I'll give you an example. Confidential informant told us about a meeting he had at the State Department. He gave me a specific date. He told me he remembered it because Hunter Biden was taken in the back door so that it wouldn't be registered. And he went to see Deputy Secretary of State Tony Blinken. Well, that's not, not registered anywhere except from this confidential informant telling me and another investigator this. And that date squared exactly with the date in the, in the hard drive and in the text message. There were about three more like that. And there were two others that I'd rather not reveal to him. Was, that, was the vice president at that meeting at the State Department? Do you know for sure? It wasn't a meeting with the vice president. It was a meeting with the Deputy Secretary of State. Okay. It's not recorded and should have been recorded because it's a meeting that falls under right. the Foreign Agents Registration Act, of which there were probably about six or seven blatant violations of it by Hunter Biden, including the meeting with the vice president. He never registered as a foreign agent. That's exactly what Paul Manafort went to prison for. And unless we're really going to stick with this, you know, Republicans go to prison and Democrats don't when they do the same or worse, then he belongs in prison the way Paul Manafort was put in prison. Uh, beyond, beyond, beyond that, um, as you go through it, particularly when you go through the photographs, it's obviously his. I mean, nobody else would have that horrible, disgusting, I can't even describe it. So not exactly depicting the 14-year-old girl, but I'm sure we'll get more into that. It says there's, there is a sexual depravity to this that's disgusting, Juliana. Giuliani told Newsmax, there's a depravity that's horrendous, which is why I reported it to the Delaware police. There's underage girls, or these underage girls were not protected. There are numerous pictures of girls that are being, I mean, they shouldn't be there. If the Delaware State Police don't do anything about this, it would really be a tragic thing. The more, majority of these leaked images, emails, and videos from the hard drive started circulating in late 2020, when the story was first breaking. Many outlets at the time were offering proof of its validity, but got shut down or silenced as a result. The photos, today, are harder to find. Many of them have been wiped off the internet entirely. Images I saw, but did not include here, were horrifying frames of a young Asian child in a hotel room, dressed up in lace lingerie, and videos of sex acts with what appeared to be 14- to 15-year-old girls. Now, they're showing a bunch of pictures of Hunter Biden naked and him snorting what seems to be cocaine off of a stripper's ass. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it shows all these pictures right here on the Substack. They are censored, though, so please don't shoot the messenger. In a video from 2019, Hunter Biden claims Russian drug dealers stole one of his laptops for blackmail while he was drugged out in a Vegas hotel room back in 2018. These the infamous images showing him asleep in the bathtub with a crack pipe. In a video obtained by Daily Mail, Hunter is shown sitting naked in bed with a prostitute after filming a sex tape, explaining how he believes his laptop was stolen for blackmail purposes. This, 
being one of three laptops he has lost, each of them said to contain sensitive information on President Joe Biden in addition to documenting his drug and sex-fueled binges. Now it quotes, I spent crazy fucking amounts of money, Hunter said. I was with these guys. The one guy was, not like you anyways. Each night he'd be like, there was going to be so many people here. Crazy fucking party. And each night it's nobody. They have videos of me doing this, he said, referring to the filmed sex he just finished. They have videos of me doing crazy uh, effing sex effing, you know. Um, now, let's see. We have a lot video, to get. Oh, it talks about the footage reportedly showing Hunter Biden fessing up to prostitute. Um, now, I don't know if this video, we'll see if there's actual, looks like he's, uh, they don't actually show um, or discuss what these are. Let me see real quick here. You go to jail under our forfeiture statutes. What it starts to show there is Joe Biden just showing the hypocrisy of this. It doesn't actually show the conversation that they're talking about. Now, it also says Hunter's claims that the video raised the probability that he was targeted during this type of drug binges as a vulnerable conduit to Joe Biden as a part of a foreign intelligence operation. Likely, the individual is responsible for the leaked content we've seen thus far. Now, this is the same content. If this is true, according to Hunter Biden himself saying that he got taken over by Russian uh, people during one of these drug binges that they took his laptop. And this is the same information that Trump is now calling um, on Putin to release. Say, just release it, man. You got the information. Why are you waiting? Release the information. Let the people know. Show him what you know. Right? And now he's getting called out by the, the mainstream media for, you know, calling on Putin to release information about the president. Yeah, he's the president. And if you have his blackmail, put it out there. Let him know. Right? Let the people know what, what they got themselves into. Right? Now it says, asking cousin for a 24-year-old model. Uh, do you want foreign or domestic? Caroline asked Hunter at one point before adding, I can't give you an effing Asian. Sorry, I'm not doing it. The next two messages from Hunter say domesticated foreigner and is fine. The next message reads no. So this is a picture of him standing by some beautiful 24-year-old looking model. Um, now he responds in what are the text messages directly from the laptop. She's a legend. None of these women are except for Diva. But Nicola and Deva and Ella and Lucy will all know quality girls who are like I am. Distrusting and highly, highly wary of evil. I also have Denise, a German, 26. Now, this is to Biden. Or, to, yeah, to Hunter. No, to Lucy, I think. Okay, so fine. Do you want foreign or domestic? Hunter says, and you have to make the pitch directly. She says, I can't give you effing Asian. Sorry, I'm not doing it. Now, I wonder if that's key for something else. Why would she not want Asian or compared to Russian or whatever? Maybe that's key for, you know, younger domesticated foreigner is fine. I give you Isabella, but she has kids and an ex-NBA husband. He said no yellow. Yasmina is the next thing she says. She says in separate text threads, racial slurs, including the N-word, are tossed around between the two. Interesting. Maybe that should be thrown around when you're talking about Joe Rogan saying it. Maybe you should talk about Hunter Biden saying the N-word. Natalia Biden says, um, now let's move on here. It goes on to talk about... Um, kind of what family means to them and then text messages between Natalie and Hunter uh, basically saying that she told Pop that she would call the police if she if I tried to see you when she lies and says she never said that call Pop and ask him. Um, so this is saying a source told Revolver that about one third of the images are of some underage girl. 
Some of the images are topless, while in others she is known, shown in suggestive positions with Hunter himself. Revolver's source, who saw the photos, also claimed that the illicit photos on Hunter's laptop were of a member of the Biden family, same as Giuliani stated. Unconfirmed rumors claim that the girl in the photos is Natalie Brown, Hallie's daughter. The same Hallie who he dated after, who was the wife of his dead brother. So not only did he was screwing the wife of his dead brother within weeks of him dying, but he was also allegedly taking pictures, videos, soliciting naked images with the 14-year-old daughter of Hallie. Like, how disgusting is this family? Now, 800 pages of text messages sent or received by Hunter Biden from 2018 to 2019 repeatedly reveals that his former love interest, Hallie, the widow of his brother, Beau, claimed he behaved in a sexually inappropriate way around a minor family member. Hunter Biden told his sister, Ashley Biden, that Hallie described him as being sexually inappropriate with a minor female family member. The text revealed that most members of Hunter Biden's family seem to know about these allegations. Among these family members are Hunter's parents, Joe Biden and Jill Biden, his sister, Ashley Biden, and Jim Biden, the brother of Joe Biden. In some cases, family members decided to take Hunter's side of the apparent family argument over the allegations, choosing to believe him over Hallie. Previous reporting pertaining to the situation includes comments by predominant pundit Candace Owens and Republican Lauren Boebert have claimed that the teenage relative in question is Natalie Biden. And it says to watch this video where her expression changes at the six second mark when the girl is asked to define what family means to them. And they show the actual pictures of him with Natalie in a bed. And then it shows that text message that I read earlier. <clears throat> and then it goes on to show their text messages. Call your mother. It seems every time we talk, she tells people I'm inappropriate with you. And this is a text message to the 14-year-old. I don't want to make matters worse for you or myself. Now, she responds later. That says, call you in 30 minutes. Thanks for chatting last night, Brazza. This life is just real torture. He says... To this 14-year-old, yes, it seems like an endless test of my sanity. To hate as much as do right now is beyond dangerous. Blank won't let me see blank without my father present. Can you effing imagine that? That eff up that I've effing shielded for two years and taken all the heat is keeping me from talking to or being around blank. Um, then it says, telling people I'm sexually inappropriate with her daughter. And these are all text messages right from the laptop. If any one of you ever repeat that again, I swear to God, you might as well put the gun to my head yourself because if all the tabloids who live to dick with me anyways were to repeat a rumor that came from blank, that that's why I can't come home, I will not survive, that no one could survive that. She is stupid and she is reckless and she is evil. And if you can't give her or get her to see her own self-interest is never saying that again, as a reason, I'm not allowed to be alone with what looks like Natalie's name, which is blurred out. Connecting details are apparently in a few images. One being the phone case shown in one of the videos where the girl hands her phone to Hunter. The case matches the one that Natalie is holding in a, holding in a photograph previously shared on social media. In an other girl video, a girl is seen giving Hunter a quote-unquote foot job with two tiny scars visible on her ankle matching Natalie's. In a third instance, the location of one of Biden's videos matches the same hotel location tagged Natalie shares the following morning in a photo, photo she posted of her breakfast plate. 
gross, disgusting. Now, um, it shows all of the data here, right? It shows her location. It shows the blurred out images. Um, it shows the uh, picture of the breakfast. It shows the timestamps. It shows all of this. <clears throat> now, earlier we talked about Hunter Biden's association with Malia, Obama. <laughs> now, this is unconfirmed, but highly speculated. <clears throat> and it revolves around an image of a debit card that was shown. With Malia's name on it. Let me make sure I'm saying that right, so I don't, you know. Yep, Malia. Malia A. Obama. A J.P. Morgan Chase credit card. Which seemingly has cocaine on it. Right next to cocaine lines. <clears throat> it says in one of the leaked photos from late 2020, Hunter Biden is racking up a line of blow with a credit card at the West, at a hotel in West Hollywood. The name on the card was Malia Obama. Now, online sleuths suggest the birthmark of Malia's thigh matches the one on the girl photographed that he is screwing from behind, shown in various sexual poses with Hunter Biden. So, the thing that's showing here is that Hunter Biden was allegedly having sex with the daughter of Obama. Barack Obama's daughter, Hunter Biden, was having sex with her and also doing cocaine with her in a hotel room. And he is far younger than her. Pretty sure he's, was, she was friends with his daughter. This is all disgusting. And so they show the images of her birthmark, the birthmark of the girl that he is having sex with from behind from his laptop. Now that is a speculated one that has not been confirmed, but that has a lot of uh, pretty much evidence shown right by that credit card there. Now the next thing we'll touch on is the emails, right? And we're getting towards the bottom of this. The emails, China and Ukraine ties, and the big guy. In these uncovered emails, Joe Biden is alleged to have met with Ukrainian, Russian, and Kazakhstanian business associates of his son at a private dining room in the plush Cafe Milano in April 16th of 2015. <clears throat> one email suggests <clears throat> that on at least one occasion, Hunter arranged a meeting between Joe and Burisma boss. I'm not even going to attempt that name. Vadim, I guess I am. <laughs> Vadim Polzarski. Burisma was paying Hunter $83,000 a month to be on his board at the time, which hardly makes sense considering his lacks of experience in basically any field. The president and his family, according to these emails, were supposed to get equity in a Chinese energy firm that Hunter arranged. <clears throat> Biden reportedly thanked Tony Bublinski, who was tasked with setting up the family's joint venture with Chinese firm CEFC for his service, quote-unquote, for helping, quote-unquote, my son. The secret meeting lasted 45 minutes in May of 2017. Less than two weeks later, an email sent to Hunter Biden outlined a provisional agreement that included 10% equity in the energy company for the big guy, later identified as Joe Biden. Other documents detailed several payments from a company in China suggesting some of the profit was intended for other Biden family members. The New York Times also reported that Hunter paid off a significant tax liability after he was probed by the FBI over alleged money laundering and his ties to China. Interesting. And it shows the email that says, at the moment, there's a provisional agreement that the equity will be distributed as following. 20 to H, which is assumably Hunter. 20 to RW. 20 to JG. 20 to TB. 10 to Jim, his brother. And 10 held by H, 
for the big guy question mark. Now, that is what I have so far on the Hunter Biden laptop. So I hope that that was interesting for you. It was quite interesting for me. Now, if you want to lead that whole uh, thing yourself, I will go ahead and include it on this week's podcast companion, which can be found at our Substack, which is redpillrevolution.substack.com. I will include that whole article in the Substack this week for you and all of the images, all of the conversations, all of that right in the Substack for you. Okay. Now, the next thing I need you to do is go ahead to the Patreon for $5. You will get not only the full video episode that you can watch this to see my beautiful face, talk about all these things. <laughs> you will also get access to the Discord server, which is growing by the day, to talk about these conversations with like-minded people in a safe space for us to discuss all of these conversations together about every single episode, not just this episode, but every episode of the past. You can go back if you're watching a different episode and talk about those things with everybody else. You'll also get bonus content, which will include the conversation that I'm about to have with you about Ashley Biden's diary, which is a timely bring up at this time, where she basically says that she was having inappropriate showers in relations with her father, who so happens to be the president of the United States. So head over to patreon.com slash revolt, and you will be able to hear the bonus content for this week, which will be all about Ashley Biden's bi diary which I will start in just a moment. Now, the next thing I need you to do, if you haven't done it already, subscribe, five-star review. And if you could, head over to givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution and give a donation, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. You know, if you want to put me on the board for 10% of your company, <laughs> you can call me the big guy, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I spend so much time on this, guys. I spend so much time on this. That's why the Instagram thing was so disappointing to me, but I will build back even better build back better <laughs> for you all. Um, but I can only do that with your help. So please consider going to givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution is a Christian giving website. Um, and you can donate right there. Um, and I would appreciate it so much. I spend a ton of time editing, a ton of time on these episodes, researching, reading. I mean, so much time on all of this. And I would appreciate it so much if you could go and just give whatever it is that this means to you. Um, now, we are going to move on over to the, to the uh, Patreon for the bonus content of this week, which will be all about Ashley Biden's diary. I read through the whole diary, 112 pages to go over this with you guys. I'm going to be specifically talking about a few of the pages, um, but go ahead to patreon.com slash redpillrevolution, and you will get the full conversation surrounding Ashley Biden's diary. And if you listen to it at this point, to this point, should be worth $5 for you to listen to the rest of it. And you can actually even add the RSS feed right to your podcast, favorite podcast player, and you'll get it right to your podcast or your favorite podcast player every single week. Um, you don't even have to go over to the Patreon every week. It will go directly to your podcast player. So patreon.com slash redpillrevolution. That's $5 for the bonus content. And then if you pay the $15, we will be doing an additional episode every single week that is live user submitted conversations and topics. All right. So without further ado, here we 